Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, welcome back everyone. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. And Sarah is still sick, everybody. Can you, you guys? It's it's the worst. I'm not even still sick. I have something new. It's like Katie literally was like, You're always sick. And it is true. I am always sick. The world of motherhood, right? For real. So mm-hmm. bear with me on this episode because I have a crazy sore throat and I'm coughing a lot, but I wanted to record. So Aww. sorry, your she, poor ears. She loves you all. That's what she's saying. Exactly. <laughs> um, do you have any announcements before we get into the topic? Um, do I have announcements? I don't. I don't think so. Other than oh, I did post a little funny. Thing today on our Instagram, which normally I don't ever post anything, but I haven't seen it. Oh, you haven't seen it yet. I saw it no. on the tube on my way home from work the other day, and it's like this little um, like advertisement like on the tube, and it has <laughs> zero. So it's like five stars, but none of them are lit up, right? Mm-hmm. And it says zero star. Like I give this zero stars or something like that dash satan and then <laughs> it's the bible app oh that's funny and it was like an advertisement for the bible right yeah yeah, yeah. so i at first when i first read it it took me a while <laughs> to get it i was like satan i give it zero stars and i was like oh it's a bible app and then i was like oh my god is it a mormon ad and i was like no it's worth some type of <laughs> you know how like lds.org has scriptures on your phone now Yes. Basically that, but it's a Bible app. A Bible app. Oh, sounds horrendous. But also, thank you, Satan, for leaving that review and saving us all from downloading the Bible app. Because we trust, we trust in Satan's reviews. Exactly. Actually, I I was like, that could have the opposite effect. Right? (laughs) Although, sorry, this is totally a random tangent. And you guys, I know some people were like, skip, get to the episode. But Another funny one, and maybe I'll share it with you, Katie, after this or on Patreon even. So Greg found this thing on Facebook. Okay. (laughs) And it's on the UK Facebook, and it's like Mormon Missionary. So it's an advert from LDS.org, but it's on Facebook. And so it was like posted on, I don't even know like how it got on the UK. I don't even know. I'll, I'll send it later. But it popped up on his newsfeed. Oh my like, word! Yeah, and it's like this this legit advert now from LDS Church that's about missionaries, and it's it sounds like a commercial. It sounds like they're selling a product. It's so creepy. But then you read the comments, and everyone's <laughs> like, "Tagged you, bro. God bless," because they're clearly making fun of it, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh my gosh!" The fact that they have the ads that are. And like you said, it sounds like they're selling a product, which they are, right? <laughs> they really are, but the comments are what give me life. Like, because oh. just like not having it, it's so funny. The sarcastic comments, like I was dying reading. Oh, you'll have to send it to me so yeah. that I can we can share it. <laughs> I will. That's great. Oh my god. Well, I guess that was a good little chuckle because you're gonna need it for this episode was it a dark one yes it's very dark maybe one of the darkest um 
Oh, Katie, you didn't give me any heads up. I'm too sick for a dark one. <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. You're stuck here. <laughs> Listeners, you can leave, but Sarah's obligated. I can't leave. <laughs> oh, no. Well, today we are going to be talking about the Provo River Massacre. Have you heard of this? No. Yeah, and this is something that should be known by everyone who lives in Utah, and it's not well known, and it's horrific. Mm-hmm. Um, it's otherwise known as the battle at Fort Utah, but I'm calling it what it was, a massacre. It was not a battle. It was a massacre, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um my sources are utahumanities.org, blackhawkproductions.com, Wikipedia, and a documentary by um, something called ERA Films. And I later realized that it was associated with BYU. So it was like from a BYU Mormon standpoint. So take oh. that, trolls. I did I did ask I did view the Mormon side of the story as well. So I'm gonna have you watch the whole documentary. I did, but it was short. It was only like, I want to say 35 minutes or so. It wasn't very long, but I did watch it all. So, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) okay. Mormon trolls. Suck it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Get bent. (laughs) (laughs) And a big disclaimer at the beginning. First of all, trigger warning. I mean, there's the word massacre. So just take that as you will. Also, I am not an indigenous person or native, a Native American, and neither is Sarah. So this is all coming from me as a white woman from the best sources I could find online. But if you can find this account told by an indigenous person, you should absolutely listen to them over me. Um, yeah. And if anyone can find that or if anyone listening knows of anything, um, feel free to tell us and also feel free to correct me. I'm, I'm doing my, my very, very best to get everything right. But if I get something wrong, please feel free to correct me if you wish, but also it's not um, people of color's job to educate me either. So all that being said, uh, take that as you will. And I'm going to try my very best. So thanks Katie. Let's get into it. Okay. Deep breath. Here we go. So the Timpanogos are a tribe of Native Americans who inhabited a large part of central Utah, in particular the area from Utah Lake east to the Uinta Mountains and south into present-day San Pete County. Wait. Sarah, do you remember Timpanogos Mountain? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say, is that I lived in Utah for five years, and I never knew that Timpanogos Mountain or any of that whole region was named after Native Americans. Right. Most people don't know that. I mean, you'll see over and over in this how whitewashed and erased native culture is. And this particular event took place where we lived, like in Utah. Do you know, do you remember where Riverwoods Mall is in between Orem and Provo? Yeah. It's like basically right around there and then up into the Provo Canyon, which I'm sure you drove up. Many a time. Many a times. And then the high school. Mm-hmm. Like I yeah, heard Timpanogos all high the stories about Timpanogos High School. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not ever told where the name Timpanogos no, even comes I, from. I legit had no idea. 
None. Yeah, I, and I, I born and raised there, lived there for 25 plus years. Didn't know. That is how ignorant we all as a collective white society it we are you know it's it's really crazy to me um during the mid 19th century when mormon pioneers entered utah territory territory the timpanogos were one of the principal tribes in the region based on population area occupied and influence they were hunter gatherers living mostly on wild game and fish from utah lake and on the seeds and roots of wild plants. The Provo River and Utah Lake were great sources of food and water. Have you ever been to Utah Lake? No, I was just I was just thinking literally in my, get out of my head, Katie. <laughs> I was like, Utah Lake, is that not um what's the other big one? Um there's the Great Salt Lake. No, 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 no. The um Lake Powell. Is that the oh, one that yeah, and, goes to? Yeah, and Lake Powell is in southern Utah. Uh, and Utah Lake is right there but in the Provo Orem area. Where is uh, that? Where is Utah Lake? Yeah, no, like in cuz I swear I've never So, it's if you were in Orem and you travel west, you'll hit it. So, you probably never went out that way, but listen. It's just right there. This is what cracks me up. This is how I know Katie is from Utah and I'm from Georgia. Right <laughs> there in what she just said. If you go west of Orem, I don't know, west, south, east, north in directions, but people in Utah are obsessed with their grids and so anyone north, west, south, east. And I think it's brilliant. I think that's how it should be. But I never in five years got that. I'd be like, just tell me the closest landmark and then I can get it. That is hilarious because I have been told that by multiple people that I've met yeah. over the years that aren't from Utah. They'll, they're so confused as to how I can tell them go west or go north. But it's because, like Sarah said, Utah's grid system, when they the, the pioneers landed in Salt Lake, they based everything around the temple. So every street <laughs> north of it is labeled north and south. And then, therefore, all the other cities copied that. So it's an exact grid almost when you're driving around and that's how we learned like directions and a lot of other places are like what do you even mean just tell me when to turn right at which gas station exactly <laughs> exactly so, well I'll have to find a map and show you that that'll that'll probably be better to show you where the where the lake Thank is you. <laughs> You're because welcome. I just don't get it and I never it makes absolute sense but just don't well. get it it's okay. You're directionally challenged. It's I fine. Am. I am. <laughs> okay, so as a part of their religion, the Timpanogos in in the uh, sorry in the mornings they gathered together and greeted the morning with song to express gratitude. They were divided into clans, each with its headman, spiritual leader, and warrior. The clans would band together for specific purposes, such as hunting, and there was no division of the land, and people were free to travel to different villages. They developed an extensive trading network. Hmm. During during the spring spawning season at Utah Lake, the tribes hosted an annual fish festival. Timpanogos, Ute, and Shoshone bands would come from as far as 200 miles away to gather fish. At the festival, there was dancing, singing, trading, and feasting. The shores of Utah Lake became a sacred meeting place for the Timpanogos, Ute, and Shoshone tribes. Doesn't it seem like such a lovely place? Yeah, I was just thinking that. 
like so vibrant and they had everything they they were doing trading and fishing and all of this hunting and gathering and it was like prosperous and it just seems like it was beautiful it was peaceful before motherfucking white people showed up and ruined everything right that's literally my next sentence almost I said (laughs) But then, as we know, the Mormon pioneers arrived in the Salt Lake Valley in 1847, and this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> this is why <laughs> this is why I can't have nice things. For those of you who watch Real Housewives, we can't. We made it nice, and then we ruined it. <laughs> yeah, I made and, it nice for you. You guys will get it. Everyone else, sorry. Everyone else will get it. I'll get it someday. <laughs> <laughs> and here's where another part part where I want to point out many of our listeners, myself included, are descendants from these pioneers. So I fully am aware that like my ancestors took part in this awful shit and I wish I could do something to help rectify it. But of course I can't, but I can just acknowledge it and do my best to give voice to indigenous people now. But I, uh, yeah, you know, that whole thing of like, I'm proud I come from yeah. Mormon heritage. It's like, uh, do you know what your ancestors did? But okay. <laughs> but they never talk about that shit. Of course not. It was like, of course not. They endeared so much, which I'm sure they did. Yeah. They didn't have they did. to if they didn't choose to be Mormon. They were <laughs> exiled. So, uh, fucking Joseph Smith, man. Yeah. Um, so they arrived in Salt Lake Valley, and Salt Lake Valley is. <laughs> Again, my direction is north of Utah Valley, if you aren't familiar from the area. So on March 10th, 1849, Brigham Young, the then prophet of the church, ordered 30 Mormon families to colonize Utah Valley with John S. Higby as president. A group not heard him. Yeah, I don't know if I had either. The group of about 150 people headed for Timpanogos territory, and the Timpanogos viewed this as an invasion of their territory and sacred land. Gee, I wonder why. For real. I mean... (laughs) (sighs) As the colonizers entered the valley, they were blocked by a group of Timpanogos, and an argument ensued with the Timpanogos asking the Mormons to please leave their land. In turn, the Mormon men raised their hands and swore to the sun god that they would not try to drive the Timpanogos off their lands or take away their rights. The Timpanogos nation, however, dispute this account, currently saying that the Mormons bullied their way into the territory, which I believe I mean, I'm going to believe that account for yeah. sure. So either way, the colonizers entered the area. I'm sure they just, you know, went in and bullied their way in. So immediately... The colonizers built a stockade, which they called Fort Utah, arming it with a 12-pound cannon. Oh, my God. Immediately, even though they said, they, they supposedly promised, I, we're not going to take your land. They immediately built a fort and armed it with a 12-pound cannon. Then they built several log houses surrounded by a 14-foot palisade, which I think is some kind of fence, but it was really long, like 330 by 660 feet long with gates at the east and west ends and a middle deck for the canyon. So just immediately like, we're taking this. This is ours, even though we said we wouldn't. Mm -hmm. It's not even like they they even attempted to pretend that they weren't. It wasn't like, oh, we'll set up some like pop-up tents for a little bit just so it shows that we're not. It's temporary. 
no, yeah. these bitches are like, I'm going to build some cabins. Yeah. I'm going to build an indoor pool, a jacuzzi. Like, I'm staying <laughs> for a while. Those assholes. For real. Ugh. The fort, which was built on the sacred grounds of the annual fish festival, was very close to the main Timpanogos village on the Provo River. The settlers fenced off pastures and their cattle ate or trampled the seeds and berries, which were an important part of the Timpanogos diet. By fishing with gill nets, they took way more fish than they needed, leaving an insufficient amount for the Timpanogos. With their traditional food sources gone, the Timpanogos were starving. The colonizers also brought measles, an unfamiliar infectious disease, to the Timpanogos. Lacking acquired immunity, the natives experienced epidemics with high mortality rates, which totally disrupted their society. So immediately they come in and are just wrecking everything. I mean, this is this is so uh, fucked up on several yes. several things, but. I there's no but um I was having a conversation actually a week ago today um with my in-laws and somehow we got on the topic of sorry I'm trying not to cough Catholicism Mm -hmm. and I was saying like because they were trying they weren't justifying anything I think we were just questioning and like the topic of um sending your kids to Catholic school was brought up and I got really passionate about it in Uh my kind of drunken state. But also I was just saying, like, it's not just it's not even the whole like, oh, if you, you know, you have fundamental issues with Catholicism or with Christianity or with Mormonism. And you, you set aside the whole like brainwashing and coal and horrible shit that they they would instill in children, especially if it's in a school or with seminary for the Mormon church or any of that. So primary, all of that. I was like, also you have to consider like the, the similarities are really quite clear. And one being how they treated native Americans during that time, because they were, they were, you know, you know, bringing up the fact that, yeah, it was quite shitty that they would, you know, try to quote unquote, like civilize um, Native American youth, especially like women, um, the Catholic yeah. priests and stuff would do that. And then I said, I said, they did the same thing with Mormons, like, yeah, or Mormons did the same thing to them. And I talked about that program, um, which they had until what year? Like it's, it, it's it, not was, very long. Yeah, it was, it's very, yeah, it's recent. Yeah. And they were just in shock. They were like, what? And then I talked about the medic, medic, what is it? Meta Creek? No, meadow. Oh, Mountain Meadows. Yeah. Mountain Meadows. Yeah. Um, yeah, all of that stuff. Anyways, I'll just say that, like, I think a lot of times, especially because the Mormon church hides things and it's just not as well known in the history, they do fixate on Catholicism, which is important. Like, that needs to be highlighted, the bullshit that they did as well. Yeah. But I think this big component of Mormonism just gets overlooked. Absolutely. It totally is brushed under the rug and overlooked. And and also, like we just said, we were in the church for so long and lived in the spot that this took place and didn't know about it, yeah. which is insane. And yeah, like you said, there's somehow the Mormon church is a little better at covering it up than the Catholic church. Yeah. So it's interesting. All right. <clears throat> On August 1st, 1849, three Mormon men rode along the Provo River on their horses when they came upon a, quote, their words, not mine, 
friendly Indian whom the Mormons called Old Bishop. They called him by this name because his mannerisms reminded them of a white man named Bishop Whitney. So right from the start, you can't even call him by his actual name. You have to give him a white name. God, it enrages me because I couldn't even find out what his real name was. That's, I mean, (sighs) that sums up everything. Right? Yeah. It's just, you have no identity anymore. Here's your identity given to you by whiteness. Um, Okay, buckle up. The three men, Rufus Stoddard, Richard Ivey, and Jerome Zabriskie began to bully the man. They accused him of stealing the shirt that he was wearing off of a white woman's clothesline. Old Bishop denied having stolen the shirt from anyone, saying he had made a fair trade for it. Richard Ivey pulled his gun on Old Bishop and told him to take it off. The man stood his ground and refused. So Richard Ivey shot and murdered the man in cold blood. Yeah. Oh, my God. Concerned that what they had done would spark retribution from the Timpanogos, the men then sliced open the old man along his stomach, ripped his intestines out, and filled his body cavity with rocks and threw him in the Provo River. Oh, my God. That made my stomach drop. That's so... uh... Isn't that one of the most horrible things you've ever heard? And can we just emphasize, these are, quote, men of God. Yeah. These are priesthood holders and Mm. shot a man, even if the man had stolen the shirt. What the actual fuck? Yeah. And then the extra heinous level of... Ah, oh, just the, filling him with rocks and dr- throwing him in the river. It's awful. And so. And I'm sure, like, there's multiple things, like, as Katie mentioned from the beginning, we're speaking of about this from two white, like, we're, it's our perspective as white people. So I'm sure that alone, we're thinking about it from that fact that it's like a heinous crime, because it is. But also, we're not even considering, I'm sure, like, ritual rituals and, like, ceremonies that Timpanogos yeah. tribe might have, especially with their dead and with how they would treat the body and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I'm sure there's yeah. multiple layers of disrespect and just... Oh, incredible disrespect yeah. and disregard for life. <laughs> <sighs> Quoting from The History of Utah State by James Goff... One of the Mormon colonists who enjoyed making a mockery of the murder wrote, quote, again, his words, not mine, and they're terrible. The Indians assert that annually on the anniversary of his death, the old bishop appears on the bank of the river and slowly takes the rocks one by one out of his bowels and throws them into the river, then disappears. Some white fishermen have watched in hopes of having an interview with the bishop's ghost. God, fuck right off thinks he's fucking funny and i just can't okay satisfied the men returned to their fort and boasted of taking the native american's life again these are priesthood holders so you know yeah thinking they had committed the perfect murder they relaxed and fell back into their routines but the timpanogos band found old bishop's body and discovered that richard ivy was involved in the murder They demanded that the people of the fort turn over the one who was guilty of killing the man, 
but their orders fell on deaf ears. They refused. The Timpanogos then asked for some cattle and horses, at least for compensation for the death of the old man, and were again ignored. So what I read was part of their custom, obviously lots of rituals around the dead, but something was if someone was killed, they're traditionally to make up for it and not have retribution, you would offer a horse or a cattle or something to like make amends of like my yeah. someone from my tribe did something wrong. So here's retribution. But the Mormons were just like, no, we're not. No, just fuck off. I mean, everything up to that would like, I'm not surprised. They yeah, are just shitheads. Yeah. This enraged the Timpanogos, given how they were sharing prime pasture and fishing land. They weren't even sharing it. The Mormons had taken it. Um, Some Timpanogos shot at cattle that were trespassing on their land or took the settlers' corn in response, which more than fair like more than fair like, i mean take i think back some of their shit that they first of all stole from you and then killed someone in your tribe Ugh. yeah exactly more than fair so confrontations began to escalate between the mormons at fort utah and the timpanogos a government officer named captain howard stansbury convinced brigham young that all conciliatory efforts had failed and the only recourse to this problem was to exterminate the Tipnodogus. <gasps> Brigham Young wholeheartedly agreed with Stansbury and supplied his vigilante army at Fort Utah with arms, ammunition, tents, and camp equipment for the soldiers. I mean, I'm not surprised. Brigham Young loved doing that shit. So. Mm-hmm. Brigham Young is quoted as saying, quote, I say go and kill them, go and kill them, let the women and children live if they behave themselves. We have no peace until the men are killed off. Never treat the Indian as your equal. Wow. And if... Oh, I feel sick. I just want to, like, blast that everywhere to all these Mormon motherfuckers who always say, like, the church is not racist. In fact, the episode from last week where all those comments are like, what is it talking about? When is the Mormon church? Why why are they saying that it's racist all of a sudden? And blah, 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 blah. Yeah. It's like it's not all of a sudden. The entire doctrine of the Mormon church is based on racism. And then they perpetuate it throughout everything, throughout mm-hmm. this entire time. And you guys want to say, why are they saying that we're being racist now? Oh, being rich is political. No, Oof. it's no. the religion. It's, it's the, always it's been racist. Always been that way. And to make it even more disgusting, the area where this took place is a university named after Brigham Young. Mm. It it's a so that I disgusting went to and am ashamed of. Yeah. Huh. Okay, so the Nauvoo Legion, which is the Mormon militia, was sent from Salt Lake City down to Utah County, and on February eighth. They planned to engage the Timpanogos in battle. Their initial strategy was to encircle the Timpanogos village and kill all of the hostile Timpanogos. The Timpanogos fortified themselves in an abandoned cabin, and the first day ended in a stalemate. But the next day, while under the cover of darkness and in the twilight of a really cold morning, the LDS men surrounded the camp and opened fire on the sleeping Timpanogos. Field cannons boomed as they fired at the camp, ripping open the teepees and sending women and little children running in all directions, screaming in terror and killing 10 men. What fucking bastards. Like, 
the fact that they even attack them, murdering them, like that is disgusting and heinous in and of itself. But you're gonna do it while they're sleeping. God. Yeah, that real cowards some, like some battle, right? That makes yeah. me like so angry. So the Timpanogos fled during the night after that second day. The, the ones that were still alive. They split into two groups and one fled to Rock Canyon, which is very close to BYU. And the other went towards the Spanish Fork River, which is a little bit south of there. The Mormon militia discovered that the village was deserted the next morning, and they found the 10 dead frozen bodies in the camp. And then Brigham Young told his men not to leave the valley, quote, until every Indian was out. Oh my God! So, so like telling them to go out and hunt down, go hunt them. They, they, yeah, and the militia was split into two contingents to go each way and to hunt them down. These these people, you take their land, you're trying to kill them, and they're running away. They're not even fighting back, and you send your militia to hunt them down. In case we haven't said it enough, <sighs> we hate Brigham Young. Like oh. that is. He is a vile, disgusting piece of shit. And I see that as someone who attended a university named after him is so embarrassing and shameful. But also, never, this is never taught about Brigham Young. They have, no, in the Mormon church, like a whole, you know, Sunday school book about Brigham Young. And you're taught something about him every Sunday for an entire year and like lessons on how amazing this guy is. He's such an awful person all around. Yeah. So one contingent followed the trail of the Timpanogos who had fled up Rock Canyon, and they set up camp at the mouth of the canyon where they ended up taking 23 prisoners. Further up the canyon, they found more teepees and brutally executed more Timpanogos and took even more prisoners. Some of these prisoners were also later executed. So they're just taking people prisoner and killing mainly killing the men. Um, and most of the time they were killing the men in front of their families, which I have no words. Um, the other contingent divided into even smaller parties and searched the Southern Valley for more Timpanogos to kill. Literally, like we said, we're hunting for them. They first attacked a village along the Spanish Fork River and then a village on Petit Neat Creek. I hope I said that right. On February 13th, 15 to 20 Timpanogos families surrendered to the Mormon militia in modern-day Lakeshore, Utah. So they're like, okay, we surrender and we'll take us prisoner, whatever. Please don't kill us. Which, so, again, everything that is presented is like the opposite of the narrative that white people drive, especially religious white people like Indian. And I'm doing air quotes, Indians, as they would call them. Mm -hmm. are uncivilized and you know they attack first and we just had to defend ourselves it's like this whole entire historical event has been depicted in the accurate way which is that they just wanted peace they just wanted to keep their ways of living their their land their sacred land like they got pushed out they were attacked they were brutally murdered so they leave and then they're still being attacked like these are not the people who instigate anything no they were just living their prosperous lovely life and 
Mormons just came and took it all away. Everything, even including their lives. Um, Lieutenant Gunnison of the Stansbury Expedition reported that the Mormons promised to be friendly to the Timpanogos men that they captured. They held them prisoner overnight, but then in the morning lined up the remaining Timpanogos men and shot them execution style in front of their families. Oh my god, this is sickening. I know, it's ugh, I like have hives. Um, and I'm sorry, other- but like this isn't taught in history. Like, I, and I'm ashamed. Like, I'm very ignorant. I lived in Utah for five years. I could have just quickly Googled where Timpan, like, what is the origin of Timpanogos? I just didn't even question it. I was like, oh, yeah, Timpanogos. I know. Like, Me neither. It's wow. very embarrassing. I know. Um, the other family, the other family members remained captive. More than 40 prisoners, almost all women and children, Oh, God. Were taken and placed with Mormon families as slaves in Salt Lake City, quote, for the purpose of weaning them from their savage pursuits and bringing them up in the habits of civilized and Christian life. This is literally what I was just saying. Like, this is what happened. Yes. As in, like, yeah, Mormons did this shit, too. It wasn't just Catholics. And we don't talk about it. It makes me feel physically ill. It's like, it just makes me so sad, too, because not only did they lose their fathers, their husbands, etc., but then you lose your identity. And your freedom. Your freedom. freedom. Your culture, your background. It's taken from you and erased from history. And, I mean... It's what Joseph Smith did with the Book of Mormon, but then they go out in real life and take mm-hmm. people's take people's parents away and then train them up to be white people. It's horrific. Um, in total, an estimated 102 Timpanogos men were killed in this massacre. Oh God, 102. Mm-hmm. A government surgeon named James Blake, who was working with the Mormon militia as their militia doctor, decided that he wanted to study the Timpanogos. So what do you think he did? Well, I'm not going to make you guess, but it's like of all the things to study a culture and study a people, this is what he decided to do. Oh, my God. If you're going to say what I think you're going to say, I'm going to be sick. He went to the execution site along with his troops, and they ruthlessly decapitated the (gasps) Timpanogos men's heads for later examination. He said he wanted the heads for future scientific study and planned to take them to Washington. Wow, as if they're like a fucking animal or something. I'm, again, the disrespect. The disrespect is in, oh, my God. So they the treat men, them, I mean, it's very obvious, and we know this, that they treat them like they're not human. But this is just, oh, this is next level. This is. It, my stomach is, like, physically churning. It's, mm. um, okay, so, yeah, the men hacked off the heads of as many as 50 frozen corpses They piled them in open boxes along with a dozen or so mallard ducks 
that Blake had shot. So exactly what you said, like they were just treating them like. God. Okay, and then it just gets worse. The the decapitated heads were taken to Fort Utah and displayed in the view of the prisoners who were the women and children as a warning for them to behave. They didn't even make it to Washington for this study. No, they just knew they wouldn't. I mean, oh, I I, it's fucking next level. Mormon people are doing this, y'all. Like that's what I was just gonna say. Like these are quote unquote priesthood holders. These are when they say, "Oh, we have Pioneer Day," and I'm so grateful for my Mormon ancestry. It's like, yeah, your ancestors did this shit. Yeah, yeah, and we know their quote unquote reasoning beyond Brigham Young being a racist and wanting to take all the land, but it goes even back to the curse of the Lamanites that Joseph Smith made up and Mm -hmm. put in a book and said that these people were cursed, quote unquote, with brown skin, and therefore they were the wicked ones, and therefore it's justification to annihilate them. As if they're not even fucking human beings. And now, like, to, to murder them in this massacre and then decapitate them because you want to, quote, study them as if they're not human, but in reality just post them around where their wives and children and partners and family and loved ones can see that. And then they just don't give them any respect in death. They're just mutilated. And then the children and wives are just taken and have their identity completely erased. It's like the worst thing in the world. So to just top this off with a good old rotten cherry, as we like to call it. Oh, I don't want any rotten cherries tonight. In September 1850, Brigham Young appointed himself as the superintendent of Indian affairs for Utah Territory. So he just thinks he earned that title. Because he had people murder all the Native Americans in the region. So he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be the spokesperson now or represent. Yeah. Wow. I'm the superintendent of this. A superintendent, yeah. Um, so uh, the fort, according to historian Robert Carter, who is the author of Founding Fort Utah, originally stood near the corner of 1200 North and 500 West in Provo, but it's no longer there. But pretty wild to think that you and I for sure have driven – past the area where it was we've lived in that area and it's it brings up all these visceral feelings like it makes me feel ill that the reason that those cities are there the way that they are is because of this massacre and that's how that mormon population has flourished that's why it's all there otherwise it would have been native land and so it makes me feel very icky and but those are those are feelings you have to you have to face and you can't because it's uncomfortable not talk about it it's just it's yeah 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 i have so many feelings and thoughts running through my head right now but the other one that just comes to my mind is the fact that on byu campus there was that i think they took it down now but there was that statue of a Native American chief. Mm. 
I don't know if you remember this. It was like during I, yes. 2020, they like someone in protest went and like spray painted it, I think, or like tried to basically like take it down. Um, I'm not sure if it's still there or not. And if anyone knows, tell us. But the fact that it was just like presented as if, yeah, like Brigham Young was this great like bridge between the white Mormons and, and like pioneers who settled there and the indigenous population that was already there. And you just walked past it every day and were like, yeah, cool. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then you find out all this shit and it's like the nerve, you know, that people at that level who run BYU who founded like historians, they know all this shit and yet they still mm-hmm. are like, Oh yeah, let's just pretend like it didn't happen. And we were really amazing. And, kind and you know had had thanksgiving meal with them like the rest of america right like everyone thinks that yeah which it was this cordial interaction Mm. when it wasn't um yeah it's it's disgusting i just i don't know like if you had heard this story when you were a mormon i i don't know what i would have done with this information I don't it think would have been, could have stayed. Yeah, it would have been a, a crack in my shelf, in my believing shelf for sure, because, like, I knew about Mountain Meadows Massacre, and that kind of started me thinking about things, but I I don't know how you justify this, if, if you know about it. Yeah, I didn't know about any of that stuff, and again, that's me being ignorant, I'm not not dismissing well, the fact that I should Not really, though, because stuff. you were you were sheltered, and information was hidden from you and you were taught not to seek it out because that's a sin yeah so you can't be too hard on little mormon sarah the little mormon sarah what's good is that we've grown right and it at least you can look back and be like okay at least we're not stubborn enough to hold on to and try to justify this we can admit we believe something that was horrifically wrong and we we come from people who erased indigenous culture and a place where we've lived and we didn't know anything about it and you can own up to it and then that's how growth can hopefully happen hopefully so that was an awful episode i'm so sorry but i had to talk about it because it's important (laughs) no I, i think it's it's a horrible topic in that it's just horrendous to hear those things but like you said in the beginning we need to live in that discomfort, especially as two white women, like that stuff that needs to be talked about. And I'm glad that we shared it. Um, and of yeah. course, if there has, you know, if anyone yeah. has any corrections or if they're like actually as a indigenous person, you would like to speak and, and share your story or how you would like to present it please do like we're happy yeah, to please. I, facilitate I, that was my just, one hesitation where I was like should I talk about this but then I'm like I think I should and I just want to put it out there that if there's any better resource I am so happy to direct people to that instead of listening to us and any corrections are more than welcome so yeah. again well, well done thank you oh, for got, got through it hearing that and for yeah educating me on that I had no idea it makes me hate the yeah. Mormon church even more and I'm gonna say the word hate because that's just disgusting and yeah. I can't yeah yeah all right well on that note thanks everybody and we'll be back next week we'll be back bye, bye.